All right. Well, good morning. It's good to see you all. I hope you, I see you all at the end of the service as well. We uh, had a power outage last week, and so uh, about mid, midway through the service, and I don't know if that song was in honor of that, Light in the Darkness, but let's hope the lights stay on. Psalm 100 is where we're going to be this morning. Psalm 100. If you want a, a little lighthearted fun and bring a smile or, or maybe at least a smirk to your face, you can Google or do an internet search for the phrase, happy sheep, happy sheep, and see what comes up. Let's, let's see what comes up. I, I told Clayton this morning, I said, hey, Google happy sheep and let's see what comes up. So that's uh, one of the images that comes up. There's another one. Do those look happy to you? Happy sheep. There you go. Ooh and ah over that. One more maybe. There you go. Happy sheep. Happy sheep. Today's message is about happy sheep. Specifically a picture of what God says happy sheep look like. And we're going to read Psalm 100 together as we're trying to see a picture of God's happy sheep. Psalm 100, let's read all five verses. It says, Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord Himself is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. I'm going to propose to you today that there are at least three unmistakable characteristics of the members of God's flock, that is, his sheep, in this psalm. Let me give them to you real quick. Number one, the sheep in God's flock exhibit happiness. They are happy. Number two, they are humbly content. And number three, in God's flock, there is hope-filled fellowship and worship. This is what God's sheep in his flock look like. Let's begin with the idea of happiness. God's sheep are happy sheep. Really, as I was meditating on this psalm, Psalm 100, the thing that I think oozed out more than anything was a joy and happiness. You see, it's very clear as you read through and think about this psalm, especially verses 1 and 2. God's sheep are happy sheep. This week, Whitney and I went to have dinner with uh, our daughter who is set to graduate college in December. And she wanted to visit with us. And and I think, you know, she's at this point, uh, a really interesting point of life going, what now? What now? Now, well, at least she thinks nobody's going to tell her what to do and where to be and all of that. It's just this wide open blank canvas of life. And at the end of that dinner at the Keter Center, Here's what daughter asked. She looked right into my face, stared into my eyes, and she said this, are you happy with your life? Are you happy with your life? And I said, pass me a roll. I need to think about that 
for a minute. Are you happy with your life? And of course, what are you going to say? Yeah, yeah. She says, well, I mean, is it boring getting old? And I said, I don't know. Ask your mother. (laughs) You'll have to ask her that. Are you happy? Isn't that a great question? Isn't that a probing and penetrating question? If someone looks right into your eyes, someone who knows you and knows when you're bluffing, and just says that, are you happy? And I think maybe for me trying to decipher that question is going here is a a young person who is prepared and studied and and thought about and pontificated about and, and, and looked at possibilities, but now stands on the precipice of life and says, are you happy? And I assume that the question is, what is going to make me happy? That, that's what I assume is behind that question. And I think for most of us, and especially if you know a college graduate, we're prone to think we will be happy if we become blank. We will be happy if we attain blank. If we have blank. So you fill in the blank. We equate happiness with our occupation or our possessions or something like that. And I'm just not sure. In fact, I would say that is not true. And one of my answers, it was probably about one of the, I thought it was a good one. You can see what you think. Whitney patted me on the back. She's like, that was pretty good advice. And I said this, I think happiness is a choice. It's not about if you make it to here or there or get this or that, but Christian happiness or joy can be found no matter what. I know that's true. And so much of it is a choice. And Psalm 100 is a canvas painted with unmistakable happiness or joy. You know, I like I was thinking about a canvas, the Mona Lisa. People spend so much time throughout history thinking, what, what's behind that smirk? <laughs> is, is she happy? Is the Mona Lisa happy? Behind your face, are you happy? Here's a, a canvas painted with happiness. And I love it. Well, who's supposed to be happy? And it says, be joyful, all the earth. Happiness is for everybody in God's mind. Happiness can be for everybody. The problem is we just don't know how to find it many times. Happiness, listen to this, is not just for sheep that we looked at. Not just for kids. Not just for carefree college students, though I found out that college students usually aren't carefree. Not just for footloose and fancy-free 20-somethings. Not just for retirees when you, you know, cast off the shackles of the job. Happiness can be and is for all the earth, is what Psalm 100 says. And there are three things associated with happiness in verses 1 and 2. And it's actually hard to know whether these three, three things are products of our happiness. In other words, these are displayed when we are happy or if these three things actually produce happiness. Because that's a great question. What is going to make me happy? How can I have this gladness that Psalm 100 talks about? Here are the three things. Shouting joyfully, serving the Lord, and singing to the Lord. Shouting joyfully, serving the Lord, and singing to the Lord. It says, shout joyfully, all the earth. You know, when someone shouts, they got to put their lungs into it. 
You actually have to muster up a little bit of hoof. You know, you can't just, hey, hey, it's me. I mean, you got to get into it. You got you to you prepare. You got to get the inside into it. Shout joyfully. Joyfulness and happiness and gladness aren't going to come in a superficial way. It's something that we actually have to be pursuing and looking for. And I think it's a good thing. So many people think, you know, Christians, we're, not, we're just supposed to be content. We're not supposed to be happy as if those two things don't go together. We got, but we've got to be searching for it. It's not going to come just by accident. But shout joyfully all the earth. I don't really know what to do with that with a bunch of Baptists who aren't shouting Baptists. When's the last time you shouted in a good way? Huh? When's the last time you shouted for something that made you happy or glad? Hopefully, probably, I'm thinking of this crowd, and I'm thinking, well, it was a sporting event, maybe, right? But, but shouting joyfully. When have you been that moved in the emotions and spirit that you actually shouted in a joyful way? Interesting question. So shout joyfully. You know, we got to get into it. Serve the Lord. I love this. Serve the Lord, it says, with jubilation. Hey, there's a good word for you today. Serve the Lord with jubilation or gladness or joy, cheerfulness, with a delightful attitude. Serve the Lord. You know, Jesus told us this and he modeled this, that the way up is down. The way to find exaltation is actually to debase and humble ourselves the way to be blessed is not to go around and want everybody to serve us, but instead to serve others and to serve the Lord. But we can't just do it willy-nilly. We need to serve the Lord with gladness. We need to check our attitudes in our service. Hey, maybe we just need to check the fact, are we serving or not? But serving the Lord with gladness is somehow associated with happiness. So shout joyfully, serve the Lord with jubilation and sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. And I wanted to kind of use that as a metaphor and take off somewhere else. But actually it just says this. Sing to the Lord. If you want to be happy. Hey, you know one thing I've noticed about people. When you go around. I mean, how often do you just hear people singing? Just by themselves going around. It's me and I'm singing. And so it's elf time, right? And, and uh, singing is associated with happiness. But, but, you know, it's interesting to be around people that hum and sing. Unless they're singing a blues song, you assume, man, these people are pretty chipper. My dentist, when he works on me, do 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 he's humming. I'm like, what is that tune? I can't quite get it. He's humming. I think, man, this guy's happy. And I hope he's not just happy because of what he's fixing to charge me for this dental work. But this guy is happy. You assume, I mean, there's melody coming out of the guy. Hey, let me ask you this. I asked you, when was the last time you shouted? I should have said, when's the last time you served the Lord with a good attitude, just out of the overflow of your heart? When's the last time you actually sang to the Lord? And you know what? The Bible even talks about singing, not just something that comes out of our mouth, but actually, is there a melody in your heart? There was an old song we used to sing in church growing up. There's within my heart a melody. That wasn't a very good melody. I sang it, but I love that song. Jesus whispers sweet and low. Here, sing it. Oh, okay, forget it. <laughs> There's within my heart a melody. Hey, do you have a song? Is there a song in your heart? When's the last time you sang? A joyful thing. I, 
working with uh, Whitney's dad around the farm when I first when we first got married, he would always sing these songs, and he never got it right. But he did it on purpose, I think. He would take an old country song and he would really twist it up. And I would just laugh and laugh. I was like, this guy really enjoys his work or making me miserable, having to hear his singing. No, it was actually a lot of fun. He was singing joyfully in his work. And so here you go. Shout joyfully. Serve the Lord with gladness and sing to the Lord. I'm going to say to you this. Here's my proposition. Here's my theory. That these three things are joy amplifiers or joy megaphones. What they do is they take the little thing that you already have that is true and real and right and happy and makes it louder when we do these things. So it takes that little speck of joy because you can't fake it. This is from the heart. It's for real. You can't fake it. But when we put our service and our gladness and our heart and our singing into The megaphone, when we take what is in us and put it out there, man, it's really loud and we hear it more and other people hear it more. These are marks of happiness and things that increase happiness, not just for us, but for others. And I wish I could give you some big psychological mumbo jumbo or something like that, but this is just what the Bible says is associated with happiness. Shouting, getting excited, Serve the Lord with gladness and sing to the Lord. All right? Happiness, megaphones. Did you know this, that God is a God who is happy? He is joyful. The Bible says many times that God delights in his servants and in his people. There's a passage, I think it, uh, Amos, Hosea, one of the Old Testament prophets, that says that God sings over us. God sings over us. He so delights in his people that it moves him to sing. (laughs) That's amazing. And God wants us to be happy in the right place in the Lord. Hey, are you happy today? If the answer is yes, here's what I would tell you. Shout to the Lord and amplify your happiness. Serve the Lord with gladness and amplify your happiness and joy. Sing to the Lord. There's something about singing. I don't know what it is, but it amplifies our joy when we do it from the heart. And I'm not just talking about when we come in here. Go about your work. Find a tune, a Christian song, a Christian hymn. You may not be able to carry a tune in, the bu- in a bucket. Sometimes people will get more enjoyment out of hearing you do that. Even if you get it wrong, sing to the Lord if you're joyful. Hey, And I say this to you, if you're not happy today, if your answer to my daughter's question is, are you happy? And you say, no. Same answer. Well, shout out to the Lord. Serve the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Hmm. Happiness is what sheep look like, God's sheep. Secondly, we see a humble contentment. This is in verse 3, a humble contentment. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who made us, not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Here's where the notion of sheep comes into the equation. Happy sheep. We are God's sheep. This is written as a psalm of thanksgiving for the people of Israel, the covenant people of God. When they come together, he said, 
Here's a song, a song that helps us to express our thanks and to become even more thankful. You know, the Israel, the people of Israel, the Hebrews, they understood something. That God had chosen them as a royal priesthood, a holy nation, the Bible says. God had chosen them. God had taken a humble, desert, nomadic people, came and chose Abraham and then his son Isaac and Jacob and made of them a great nation. And the Bible says God did not choose them because of anything special in them, not because they were great and powerful or good looking or lived, you know, perfect lives. God chose them by his sheer grace and he made a nation of them. And he called them to walk by faith and obey him. And that's what, by and large, they did. And what they saw when they obeyed this God of grace, when they exercised faith, God did crazy, amazing things among their people. And they had this amazing story to tell. They had seen throughout the generations God at work as his special covenant people. And here was the picture. God, the Lord, is my shepherd. And we are his sheep. That's what Israel could say and did say. We now are the new covenant people of God. We who belong to Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, are his sheep. I couldn't help but as we were singing one of those songs about your great name, to just think that I needed to stop today and take a moment and say this, that Jesus is a good shepherd who calls out to come into his flock to wayward sheep. To those who think, think and believe that they're outside of the love of God, Jesus comes and he says, I love you. And he calls out, follow me. Follow me. I'm the good shepherd. I will lead you into green pastures. I will lead you beside the still waters. I will restore your soul. I will save you. And I will be your God and you will be my people. And I will dwell with you. Jesus the good shepherd now calls to his flock. Hey, here's a question for you. Do you belong to Jesus? Do you know him as your shepherd? Have you obeyed his call when he says, follow me and come to him. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Have you come to Jesus? Do you know his voice? Is he your shepherd? There is so much freedom and relief for the soul. When you can say this, the Lord is my shepherd. I belong to him. And he cares for me. He leads me in pastures green. He keeps the wolves at bay. And I know that all the days of my life I will spend with him. There is a casting off of anxieties of life. An ability to, to function in the midst of all kinds of things. When you know for a fact by faith this, Jesus loves me. And he cares for me. And whatever comes, he's guiding me for his glory and for my good. Know the Lord that he is God. Do you know that? You know that you did not make yourself. 
You are not a self-made man or woman. You're not autonomous. You do not belong strictly to yourselves. All of your future is not solely in your hands. Know that he is God. He made us. We are the sheep of his pasture. We as the church are those who Jesus cares for. And sheep, you know what? They're generally pretty peaceable. Not always, but, but generally trusting. Usually content to stay put. One thing, you know, I've, I've had goats. And goats are never content. They are never happy to stay where you put them. They always want to be on the other side. The beauty of sheep is generally more content. They kind of stay put. They trust in the shepherd. Sheep know their shepherd's voice. We were uh, getting ready for the little ride and, and the cookout deal yesterday. And I'd taken some stuff over to this farm. And I've got a group of heifers over there. We do. And I go over there and I feed them most every day. And they hear my vehicle. They hear that diesel truck. You know, it's rumbling. And boy, they look up. And then they see me pop out. And then they take a few steps forward. And then they see me rustling around over by the feed trough. And they come. And if they don't come then, all I have to do is go, whoop. Come on, heifers, whoop. And man, they come running. So I'm getting ready for the, the event, and I had a, a, a bale of straw, had some pumpkins and all of that. And I go over there, and I put it right here by the fence, and the heifers are on the inside. And you know what they did? They heard my truck, and they saw me rustling around by the feed trough, and they came running, and they stuck their heads through the pipe and started eating the straw. <laughs> they know that the shepherd has come to feed them. They were wrong at that point in time, but I did go ahead and feed them. But you know what? They didn't break out. I didn't feed them right then. They didn't break out. I smacked one of them kind of on the nose. I said, that's not for you. You know, I pulled it away. That's not yours. And I thought, man, I wonder if they're going to do a, a jailbreak here. I wonder if they're going to escape, but they didn't. So then I rewarded them with feed. You know, and I was thinking about that and about this idea of humble contentment. When we know that we belong to Jesus, we should be at peace with whatever comes. Contentment doesn't mean that we don't go to the grocery store and replace the moldy cheese in the fridge. You know, it doesn't mean that we don't ever trade vehicles. It's not that. If we just think about contentment as this, being God's sheep, and staying within the fences and places that he puts us until he chooses to move us. And coming to feed where and when he calls. Contentment is just trusting the Lord in everything that comes our way. Knowing that we are a sheep and he is our shepherd. And I think that's what's commended to us here. A humble faith that trusts in God's care. The last thing we see about God's flock, what they look like. Now we're going to move away from sheep a little bit. Is we see in verses 4 and 5 a hope-filled fellowship and worship. Look at what it says. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. And his faithfulness to all generations. Even when we don't see, he's working. We know that God is in control. We have settled in our minds that we belong to Jesus. We are his and he is ours. But then we realize there are other sheep 
in his sheepfold. And God puts us together in little groups called churches and local fellowships. And it changes the way that we live our life. There are other sheep that we fellowship with. Other sheep, if you will, other Christians that we worship with. Here's a picture of God's flock, his people coming together, coming through the gates to fellowship and to worship, to enter his courts. What should our worship and our fellowship be full of? It should be full of, two times it says, thanksgiving. It should be full of praise for God, for what he has done. One of the marks of true Christian fellowship and worship is it should be very God-centered. We should be thinking and talking about what God has done, about his faithfulness. Our worship and fellowship should be a blessing to God. We should bless his name. That's what it says. Hope-filled fellowship and worship. It's not coming together and grumbling about everything that's wrong in the world, though sometimes we need to diagnose the problems. It's about what God has done. I tell you, we're moving now. It's October 31st, and, and next month we're going to be all thinking about turkey and thanksgiving. And I think we need to begin to get our eyes and our minds and our hearts on giving thanks. I'll tell you what I've noticed if, is if I don't practice praise and thanksgiving throughout the week, it's going to be very foreign when I come among God's people. Thanksgiving is not something that should just mark our gatherings together for this hour or two on Sunday, but giving thanks and praise and blessing to God each day of the week. It should be a habit. But it should be amplified and multiplied when we come together and we've all been practicing praise and thanksgiving and we come together. What's God doing in your life? Where are you see him at work? Sometimes we come in and it's been a horrible week. And if we're all down in the mouth and complaining, man, it's a pity party. But if we come in and the rest are lifting up the name of Jesus and giving thanks, it does something to us and for us. It's such an encouragement. There's one of the things I need to say about this passage. It just kind of struck me there at the end. He says his faithfulness is to all generations. As I was thinking about fellowship and worship of the church, his faithfulness is for all generations. You know, a church should be if it's going to survive and it's going to, if it's going to be what God intends it to be, it should be a place for all generations. It should be a place where there is something. There is a place at the table. There is a seat for everyone from the littlest to the oldest among us. We can't just be aimed at one little demographic or group. We were out doing our ride. And you know, the thing about a healthy farm is, or a livestock operation is, there's old ones and there's young ones. And there's intermediate ones. There's all these ages together on the same farm. God's faithfulness is not just for one group. God is not going into retirement with your group. God is doing something today among the youngest. And still he wants to do among the oldest. Old sheep. You know, you think about a, a flock. You think about a church with old sheep. Old sheep are those that have kind of been there and done that. You know, when the shepherd calls, they know. They kind of mosey up. 
They've been there. They, they, they're familiar with this pasture. They trust him. And an old sheep in, I hate to call you that in the church. I, I'm an old sheep probably at this point. John informed me the other day that I'm no longer in the younger group. I'm the older group. And so the older group, you know, should be those who are not marked by crabbiness and crotchetiness and, and complaining about every ache and all of that. The, the old sheep are those who are seasoned. Their trust and their faith should be exemplary, should be models of those who know what it is to follow Jesus. They know where all the watering holes are. They're familiar with all of the boundaries. And they're the sages. And then the young lambs. That was the last little picture we put up there. Those that are young and they're full of life and they're jumping for joy. And they've got boundless energy. There should be a place in the church for the young lambs to run and jump and buck and do what they do. You know, it's, it's so fun to watch young animals, especially livestock this time of year when the days get really cool. Or maybe there's a little bit of wind and it's like, it's like a brand new thing to them. They've never experienced this. And so they're running and they're jumping and they're bucking. And in the church, we think about the young lambs that come in and maybe it's their first year as a Christian or maybe as a new member of the church, this is their first holiday season and their excitement and their energy and their joy brings life to the church. His faithfulness is for all generations. And I'll tell you this, both groups need the other. The young need the old to help, you know, kind of keep the boundaries and to be an example. And I'll tell you this, the old need the young to keep bringing life and energy and to remember what it was like to be a young Christian and to see God's faithfulness in this generation. And the church is the flock of God. We need all of those things. I'm going to tell you something. If you're one of the older sheep here, nothing will poison the pastures and the ponds of God's flock more than hopelessness and bitterness and cynicism. It poisons things. But instead, be models of hope and faith and love. That's what we are to be. Can you imagine me sitting across from my daughter and say, okay, you got me. I am in the older group. I am old. And yeah, it is boring to get old. Not only is it boring, but it's terrible and you go bald. And, well, some of us do. And, and you get aches and pains. And yeah, I think it's not worth getting old. Can, I mean, can you imagine that? But luckily, just the day before, I'd been out walking and I was thinking about this. I just, I just looked at the beauty of what God had created. I looked at the little uh, place that God has given us to steward. And I was thinking about my family and so many opportunities. And I thought about you guys. And I said, man, there is so much in life to be thankful for. So much. Are there things I wish I had or I had done different or whatever? Sure. Sure. But so many blessings. So many blessings. And I, I just refused to leave that pasture that morning for a little while to just count my blessings. To just stop and say, God, thank you. You are so good and have been so good to me. And so, daughter says, are you happy with your life? I can say to you, yes. Yes. God has been good. God is good. 
And he will be for you if you follow him what he has been for me, a shepherd and a refuge and a source of joy and strength and hope in the midst of very hard things. I can say to you folks, even though I'm tearing up, I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy in the Lord. I'm happy in the Lord because of his grace, because of his mercy. I'll close with this. Yesterday on our ride, we had multi-generations. And uh, one of the first things I did, we were kind of just hanging around there. And I took the young kiddos that were there, some of the younger ones. And I said, hey, I want to show you something out here. And they're like, stranger danger. No, they knew me. I said, I want to show you something. So we walk through the fence and we go down through the pasture and they're getting jabbed and stabbed. And I went and I took and showed them this neat old bridge that was all hand-laid rock and stone where the old railroad passed over. And it was like this, it's this big tunnel. It's the coolest thing. I, I know I was excited when we discovered it when we were dozing that place off and I took them and I said, look at this. And you know what they did? Whoa! There's something like that. What is this thing? I mean, it was like a fort. It was amazing. I just loved it. And the reason I didn't take any of you old people <laughs> is because you wouldn't have been near as excited about that thing as they were. And I could tell, but there was this big old mud hole. And I know they were wanting to go into the tunnel and go through the mud hole. And I was like, I don't think that's a good idea. But so we just looked at it and they were just amazed. I loved it. Hey, Older folks, when is the last time that you actually had a conversation with someone in a different generation in this church? When is the last time that you stopped, got outside of your ghetto? You, you know, that ghetto is a place where we're all alike and we're all together and we can find ourselves. When's the last time you got out of that and maybe you just went over into children's church? Now we've got to give you a background check if you do much more than that. But, but, or maybe you just took maybe a youth or a, a young adult and just said, Man, how's it going? Hey, can I tell you something about what God is doing or has done in the past? Hey, I'd love to buy you lunch. I'd love to be a blessing to you. Hey, have you done that lately? Do that. I, it was a joy for my soul to go out there with those kiddos yesterday. And uh, it's just so much fun. But hey, then we went on the ride and we stopped at a little bridge at a creek. And I was talking to Wayne Crunkleton. Rick Helds, Wayne. 75, he's still a young folk, right, to, to some of you. And Wayne was talking about, I think it was a brother, but it was a family member who had been a prisoner of war. And he began to tell me this story and about how this person survived some things that you and I have never faced. I suspect you have not. I have not. And about God's faithfulness in the midst of that. And just talking to Wayne right there was such a great encouragement. You know, when I just took the time to get outside of my little narrow slice and see what the flock of God had to say. It really brought joy to me. And I hope it was a joy to all those who experienced that. We in the church need to build bridges. We have to build bridges from one generation to the next. Because God's faithfulness extends God's faithfulness and mercy and grace didn't begin with you. It was long before you. And it will go on long after you. And we just become like conduits and bridges of that as we intersect people's lives who we share the pasture with. Hey.
it's an amazing privilege for me to serve First Baptist Church of Valley Springs as a pastor. This is a great church. This is a church that serves and works hard and loves others. And I'm not just saying that. I truly believe that. This church has been a blessing to me in two and a half years and can be a blessing to you. Not because of the buildings and the stuff and all of the technology and all of that, but because of the sheep that belong to Jesus who are in this church. If you don't have a church home and you're a follower of Jesus, I would commend to you First Baptist Church of Valley Springs as a loving church. But let me say this. It's a great privilege to serve the Lord right here in this place and to serve each of you. And as we close out the uh, Staff Appreciation Month, I want to recognize some folks and ask our staff to come up here and uh, just make sure you know who they are. John, come on up. Matt, come on up. Sheila, Lori, come on up. They're so excited to come up. <laughs> I didn't call him old, by the way. I, 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 feel, I feel attacked. No. He didn't call me old. He just said I was, more, I more or less. <laughs> I said you were the youngest person in the room. Yeah, sure. All right, all right. So a great group of folks that work here at the church and around the church and in the community and do so much far beyond anything we could ever honor them for or pay them to do. Uh, Sheila James. Sheila, what's your official? Oh, I said I wouldn't make them talk. Uh, Sheila is our church administration person. She does the finances and does just tons of things more than you could ever know. Sheila, how long have you been at the church? Whisper it to me and I'll tell them. 14 years. So half of her life, she's been working here at the church. And uh, we appreciate Sheila. Matt Bell is our student ministry intern. I know Matt's just been here a year or two and just been serving in that position for, what, a couple of months, Matt? Matt works with John and works with the youth, and we appreciate him. Lori McWhorter is our custodian and uh, our comic relief many times. And Lori, how long have you been at the church? 2014, so about seven years. Is that right? Appreciate Lori very much. And of course, John Rasick, associate pastor, wears many, many hats. This last week at Fall Fest, he was wearing, I think, a cat in the hat hat or a Dr. Seuss hat, tying balloon animals, so a, a guy of many talents. So uh, here at the close of the service or after it's all over, uh, Neighbors Mill sent us about 100 cookies. Not for free, by the way. But uh, they're good cookies. Uh, she, I think Sheila picked those up. And uh, we just wanted to have a sweet treat, a little, a little fellowship with you guys afterwards. And so those cookies are going to be out there. And I'm going to ask all the staff to just be somewhere kind of in the vicinity. If you've never introduced yourself to them, uh, or maybe you've known them for a long time and you just like to slap them on the back and, and give them a word of appreciation, you can do that. They're going to be available uh, for that, but I want to say thank you to each of you for all that you do for the church. All right, you can be seated. I think the last thing that we've got today, no, we got two things left. Hey, John, grab me a, a podium or that stool right there, would you? We've got a, our birthday and anniversary celebration for here in our church, our little birdhouse. And so if you celebrated a birthday or an anniversary in the month of October, of which this is the last day, 
We'd like to invite you to come up. You can put something in the birdhouse. You don't have to, but mainly we want to celebrate a birthday or an anniversary with you. So where are our October folks? Here they come in mass. All right, very good. What, what, what did you have? Did you have a birthday? I did. Janet had a birthday. Rick? Rick had a birthday. Who else had a birthday? Miss Jimmy had a birthday? 88. Awesome. Lane had a birthday. Ava, you slipped off without telling me. How old? 14. Isaac had a birthday. 14. All right. Very good. Miss Karen, birthday. Anniversary. Well, happy anniversary. All right. Had a birthday. <laughs> well, happy birthday. Happy anniversary to each of you. We, uh, we celebrate that with you. Rick Crunkleton is going to come and give us an announcement real quick, and he's going to close us in prayer. Thank you all for being here today. Thank you, tech guys, for uh, keeping us up and running today. Appreciate you all.